You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you've come to the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in. We've now been live for four months, and I am blown away by how many people we're already helping. So far, we've been listened to in over 60 different countries. It's kind kind of mad. Um, And in six of those, yeah, six of them, we are a top 10 marketing podcast, according to Apple Podcasts. That is beyond my wildest dreams for what we'd achieve in the first four months live. So thank you, all of you, for tuning in and for spreading the word, because without you doing that, we quite frankly wouldn't be there. You know, it's always cool to get the, ooh, we're top 10 in this country, ooh, we're number one in that country. Those are very cool, but really the bit which which keeps me going, the bit which inspires me, the bit which makes me create this podcast for you is the fact that I know that behind those rankings and behind those download numbers, there are people just like you who we are helping to improve their marketing, to improve their business, to improve in some cases their lives, I suspect. Because often, you know, if you can get your business working, then the rest of the life Uh, tends to feel pretty good too. Yeah, so the rankings are cool, but really for me, it's knowing that with every play, with every listen, someone somewhere is getting what they need to take the next step, solving a problem for them, because that's what we're here to do, to help you improve your marketing, to help you solve your marketing problems. Now, what I'd love to know is that if the show's helped you, I'd love to know how. And you can let me know on social with the hashtag KeepOptimizing. Okay, in today's episode, I am talking to Neil about influencer marketing because this month is all about organic social media. Yeah, I know influencer marketing, you might end up paying a bit, so maybe it's a bit advertising-y, but when we're talking organic, I think it's a really key thing to be talking about. We're talking social media and a lot of the tactics Neil's going to be talking about, you don't necessarily need to put any money out there anyway. More on that later. Uh, in this episode, you're going to learn what the best way it is to run an influencer marketing campaign for your business. Um, Neil's going to be sharing the latest tactics because he really knows the the, uh, the goodness in this space, the key things you should be doing. going to talk about how to do it, the nuts and bolts, the strategies to use. Uh, we'll get into payment uh, and all that kind of great stuff too. And the great news actually is that the latest tactics are not at the Kardashian level of budget. Okay, so these are easy and low risk for even the smallest operation to test and give a go to. Um, We're going to meet Neil in a second, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with social media expert, Neil Schaefer. For over 10 years, Neil's been deep, deep in the world of social media, running an agency, PDCA Social, teaching at three universities around the globe, speaking at conferences on pretty much every continent known to man, 
and hosting the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Neil is also the author of the brand new and very good best-selling book, The Age of Influence, The Power of Influencers to Elevate Your Brand. Hello, Neil. Hey, Chloe. Thanks so much for that very generous introduction. <laughs> well, thank you for achieving it all. Um, you know, we, we couldn't run a social media month on the podcast and not talk about influencer marketing. And, you know, quite frankly, with all you've achieved in the space, you're the only person we could possibly ask on. So thank you very much for saying yes. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> cool. Me too. Um, now, before we get fully into influencer marketing, You've been in social media a surprisingly long time, like almost from the beginning. So how did you end up in the world of social media? So before social media, I had a career in, it was actually B2B and it was more sales and biz dev with a little bit of marketing. I, before we started the podcast, I mentioned that I lived in Asia uh, for 15 years. So I speak Japanese and Chinese and I was you know, country manager, regional VP of Asia sales. I had those sorts of roles. And I had to do business with a lot of different companies in a lot of different countries with varying cultures and various languages. And I got a lot of really, really great holistic business experience. So when it was 2008 and I was looking for a job for the first time in the United States where I'm from, uh, and I did not have a local network where I lived, I went straight to LinkedIn. And as I use LinkedIn to build a network, I realized some really, really powerful features about it when you looked at it as a tool, which very, very few people did back then. So I began actually, you know, networking and contributing to, there used to be something called LinkedIn Answers, which was a Q&A forum, LinkedIn groups. And when I found my job, I launched a blog and I wanted to share all the information I learned as a way to continue to network with people. So that blog is really what started everything, which after the Lehman Brothers crisis, I'm going back in history here, it seems, but uh, late 2008, you know, I, I got hired three and a half months later, they decided they needed to shut down international sales. And, uh, and there I was in transition again. But this time I decided to, uh, for various reasons, to turn my blog into a book, which led to speaking opportunities, which led to me starting my consultancy in January of 2010. So it really came organically. And it really came, uh, you know, you could say I had a niche, which was LinkedIn back in the day, and it was not as crowded and noisy as it is today. So, uh, you know, my, my book was well known and what have you. I got well known locally and businesses were just, I mean, businesses are still trying to figure it out, but a lot of businesses were saying, we just don't know what we don't know. We want to hire you. How can we work with you? So at the time, because my background was more B2B, I didn't really have that agency experience. I went for the consultancy route. But I've pretty much been doing what I started doing then, which is I believe that companies need education and they need uh, strategy, right? So uh, that pretty much defines, you know, my podcast, being here on your podcast and everything I've done since then. Well, yeah, and it, it's the interesting thing about social media, isn't it? It's like... Um... You oft, I often hear people saying, oh, we're going to hire a child you know, or a teenager and give them our social media. And it's like, well, I'm not sure that's the right move. Yes, you need someone to, who understands the tools. But actually, in my experience, I've always found that learning the tools is an awful lot easier than learning how to use them successfully. The strategic part is a lot harder than knowing which button to press on Instagram, for example. People look for easy solutions, right? Instead of learning it yourself and trying to, you know, deep dive into your strategy and what's working and what's not, we'll just bring on an intern who'll just do it all for us, and we can check that box, right? Mm -hmm. Which, which, um, you know, over the years has led to some utter howlers, which, um, 
which I, I've been guilty of including in many a presentation. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> Some awesome ones, but but let's let's not let's not stray into that because we're really here to talk about influencer marketing. Yes, because it's you know if people get confused by social media, I think people get really confused by influencer marketing. And I've had you know highly successful people come on the podcast, and and not this podcast, my other podcast where I interview um, retailers and say they don't believe that influencer marketing exists. Hmm. You know, so you get kind of from that to someone who will, you know, take an, you know, just, just throw money at the problem and not really solve it. So I guess before we even start talking about how to do it, what is influencer marketing? Yeah. So Chloe, I guess, you know, before I even get into my definition, the influencer marketing is a very, very interesting one because, you know, you were saying it's really hard to find people to talk about it because the people that are talking about it are making money from it, right? Basically they're influencer marketing agencies, influencer marketing tools. It's almost like I remember the days of Google plus when everybody was evangelized (laughs) that you've got to be there, right? So people that have money in the game that have a vested interest talk about how great it is but it fails to convince the average person who looks in the blogosphere, the media, and just sees all those negative things. I have found, and I don't have any skin in the game, right? I, you know, I'm very neutral when it comes to this. Uh, the Age of Influence is actually my fourth book. My previous book was all about social media strategy, and then I had two books on LinkedIn. But the more research I did, and the more I kept getting questions when I spoke for marketers, um, I realized that influencer marketing, as it should be defined, is extremely powerful. And really, the, the, the right way to define it is that every influencer, first of all, is a content creator. So influencer marketing is leveraging content creators and their communities. And I differentiate between leveraging content creators and their communities because there's more and more influencer marketing being done, not just to have content creators share the word about what you're doing, but to actually create content for you. So for instance, Chloe, there's value for me being on your podcast because this is influencer marketing. You know, you're going to share this podcast with your community and I'm going to share it with my community, right? But I could also say, Chloe, you are such a great podcaster. I'm going to hire you to do all the podcasts for my brand. And that might have more value than simply you promoting me over one episode. So that's what it is because, you know, and, and you think, well, everybody's a content creator on social media. Well, that's really not the case. 70 to 80% of, if not 90% of social media users are mainly lurkers. They're not really posting original content. And there are some platforms like Instagram where it, it pretty much all is sort of original photos and videos. But even then, it's probably not more than 10% that actually post on a regular basis. So when we talk about content creators, uh, you're talking about the top few percent uh, on any given social network, and they hold the power, right? And it's really interesting that we went from social media influencer marketing because that's where I found the power. When we begin with that definition, we also look at the trends, the trends that say social media is becoming pay to play, that people just don't trust ads and companies seem to be saying, okay, if organic social doesn't work, we'll just throw money at Facebook ads, which some of them might work, but the whole, you know, Chloe, when, when social media first came out, it was all about this viral word of mouth marketing that you can't do from an ad, right? Yeah. And what happens now is people just trust, you know, people have always trusted people like them. And with the likes of visual social media, like an Instagram or what have you, or, or YouTube, people just, you know, trust people that they relate to that look real. And, and I hate to use the word authentic because it's being overused, but, but, you know, that are just like them. And that's the key difference here. So for me, 
you know, I, I define what influence marketing is, but the strategic value is that if you are trying to get any traction on organic social media, you need to get people talking about you. And that's the role that influencer marketing can play. So if you look at what you're doing in organic social media and look at what you're doing in paid social media, you can probably replicate this and probably be more effective leveraging other people. So that's where I'll, I'll stop the original definition, but my definition of who are influencers then is much broader. It's not just Instagram. It's not just photo or video. It's any social network in any content medium. I think you're so right to say that because it is, I like the fact, you know, you focus in on the, the content creators because if someone's not creating great content, that's their content. You know, you don't want someone to share your own photography. You want someone to share something that's about them if they want to have the influence about it. Yeah. But also, I, I think um, the point you were making about how if you want to leverage organic, you've got to get other people talking about you. It's kind of like, you you know, if you had, I don't know, let's say $10,000 a large budget to spend on social. You could plow it all into growing your own following on insert name of platform of choice here. Mm -hmm. Or you could spend it on influencer marketing with content creators who already have a following. And I would have thought you'd get a lot more bang for your buck with the influencer side of things than plowing it all into your own follower acquisition growth. Yeah. You know, the one time... $10,000 spend may make you feel good, but I've, I've you know, I, I, I say this when I talk to e-commerce, you know, business owners, are you there to build a following or are you there to build influence, right? The following in social media doesn't necessarily lead to sales as hopefully we all know by now, right? Um, it's the building influence when you talk or when someone talks about you, people listen. So when you think about it that way, instead of investing money in a one-time purchase where you think you're building long-term asset, but if the fans don't see your content, it doesn't really matter anyway. It's not really an asset, is it? But when you invest it in people, right, that has a chance to have really, really long-term impact. And now another interesting thing, two other interesting points about this influencer marketing industry that I began with that I think are really important for this conversation. Number one, the definition of who is an influencer, as the influencer marketing industry has been so into itself that the market price for these influencers has gone through the roof. And now brands are saying, you know what? We want to work with people that have less influence, that maybe we don't need to pay as much, but maybe with less influence, there's less fraud. They didn't buy as many followers. They're not participating in, in sort of fake engagement and what have you. Um, and what we find now is it began with micro-influencers, which was a minimum of 10,000 followers maybe four years ago. And then as I was writing the book, the term nano-influencers came out, and that's a minimum of 1,000 followers, right? So... When we look at people that have 1,000 or 2,000 followers, they're not necessarily in it for the money. They're not going out of their way to buy fake followers and make themselves look big. A lot of them will do, do it for free product, right? And, and in fact, there's new platforms that have evolved that say, send products. We're going to match free products with people that want to try them out. Now, that to me sounds a heck of a lot more authentic. But let me take it one step further because at 1,000 followers, look around you. Look at your employees, your partners your affiliates, your customers, your followers, how many of them have a thousand followers, a thousand connections in any given social network? That opens up the possibility that people that already like, know, and trust your brand are, you know, some of them are already at this nano influence. So I tell brands when it comes to influence marketing, now we get deep into, and I'm sort of connecting the dots with my own digital marketing past. We get into things like employee advocacy and brand advocacy, right? And we can incorporate these 
once we treat these people as influencers, instead of, well, here's content, please share for us. Oh, hey, refer a friend, you get, you know, five pounds off your next purchase, big deal. When you start treating these people truly like influencers, as they are, and you create a program about that, you begin to see pretty phenomenal results. And by the way, if you do it right, you don't need to create any more organic content. You can be sourcing it all from your fans. And as word of mouth spreads and as the hashtag spreads and what have you, you know, you now don't necessarily need to pay money or pay as much money for content creation, for photo shoots, for video shoots. So it becomes very economical and very efficient, but it starts with the mindset and it starts with actually building that program and starting to reach out to people and saying, hey, we'd love to work with you. The great thing is for e-commerce that on Shopify, there is a tool called Caro, C-A-R-R-O. It's getcaro.com that does exactly this. You, you, it's actually free. I know they're going to start charging soon. They just got a big uh, VC investment. But it basically takes all the people from your email list, from your shopping cart history, because you integrate it with email. And then it goes in your Instagram followers. And then it will actually, in the dashboard, show you all the influencers that are already in that, that brand sphere of yours, right? Mm -hmm. There's another tool called Gatsby.ai. It does a little bit different. This is where you would add to your shopping cart or to an opt-in on your website. Uh, basically, provide us your Instagram handle. And it's doing the same thing, looking at the Instagram handle of website visitors in addition to uh, you know, people that sign up for your emails and your shopping cart. So we're beginning to see the technology come around and the technology is saying you need to buy influencers. No, no, it's saying leverage what you already have, people that already know you, and then see how you can develop that into a, a win-win relationship basically. And, and in e-commerce, free product can actually get you a lot of goodwill, a lot of karma. So you don't even necessarily have to pay money. Another misnomer that people have about influencer marketing. It strikes me that the idea of the idea which I think a lot of people still have in their heads about influencer marketing, that it's find Beyonce or a Kardashian and give them a large sum of money and have a really insane spike, is so far removed from the businesses who are actually having success with it. Yeah. And and the good thing, the even better thing is that, you know, to to start using one of those apps you just mentioned, or even just dropping an email to your list saying, we're recruiting some people we'd like to test out a new product. Yep. You know, it takes like maybe an hour to write it and be happy with it and get it signed off and send it out. It's so low risk. So low um you know low risk in in terms of brand identity in terms of finances in terms of team time that it makes influencer marketing seem so much more accessible I think to the average e-commerce store owner and so much easier to test and less scary, which I think is a brilliant thing because anything which can bring us a deeper connection with our best customers and our teams can only be a good thing. Yeah. It's once you get beyond everything, you really start to rationalize it. It's it's just common sense. Instead of, I mean, you know, a lot of e-commerce owners, like any small business owner, they're constantly trying to recruit new customers. But we know that the cost of sale of actually getting new business from your loyal customers is much cheaper than always trying to recruit new customers, right? And because these are content creators that have somewhat of a social media footprint, that's where that potential virality builds in. And even if they don't and they create great content, you know, we already have data that says, hey, when we use sort of, you know, user-generated content or influencer content on our shopping cart, right? Or on our website. Or if we want to continue to do ads in our ads, they perform better because they're more aligned 
with people's taste, they're more believable, more relatable, right? So there's a lot of things I believe that people listening, a lot of different ways we can we can leverage influencers. But I think once we get back that mere content amplification and and it's content, and guess what? It's content created by people that already are they're already your customers, they're already using your product. You're gonna learn a lot from them. And I believe if you were to ask them for feedback on how your product compares to others, what have you, you now have like a great little focus group there, right? Um, getting back to traditional marketing before digital, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're going to learn so much from these people that you'll want to keep in better touch with them. They're going to become an extension of your brand as they should. And I think companies that do that find immense success. Yeah. Cause you can learn so much from those customers. And if it, you know, that's almost worth doing the act, the activity and sending out the emails and asking them to talk to you in itself. But then if you've also got them, then creating um, noise about you on social media that's going to hit the right people because the chances are their friends will like your product as well. And then the content which they're creating, you can then use again. And just to get into a bit of the detail around that, Neil, are are we literally just talking, you retweet it or you share it or you like it from your brand accounts? Or would you kind of screen grab it, share it independently, ask them for the photos? What's the ways in which we can can help these content creators create content for us? Yeah, so I think it begins obviously with starting the relationship. And I want people listening to start it the right way because if all of a sudden you reach out to someone, it, it might seem a little weird <laughs> on both parties. <laughs> so I think there's a natural process. If I wanted to reach out to, if I wanted to befriend an influencer, I would first actually follow them on social media. I would probably engage with their content on social media. And I would hope that I would get some sort of a response. And only if I did a response, I would really reach out. Now, you know, obviously, uh, email is another way to do this without going the social media route. But if these people are content creators and they have somewhat influence on social and they are, you know, they're in your sphere of like, know, and trust, you would assume that they would engage back with you if they're having a good customer experience. If they're not, that's another story. But let's assume they are. Well, that's where you would reach out. And, and you know, I would have, this is where it goes from marketing to PR, because it's easy as marketers, we just want to send one email out to like 100 people. But we really need to do a one-to-one interview first, because it all comes down to WIFM, which is what's in it for me, because everybody at the nano influencer level, especially if they're if they're your customer, you know, we don't know what they want. Maybe they don't want free product for themselves, but they want it for their family, right? Maybe they want a discount to give to their community. Maybe they want exclusive access to a product that you used to sell and you don't anymore. Maybe they want an introduction to someone. You're, I mean, I don't know, right? But you're not going to know until you reach out and say, hey, you know, we appreciate you being a customer. We're starting a new influencer community. We'd love for you to be part of it. You know, do you, do you work with brands? Because a lot of brands are trying to do the same thing. You know, if so, how do you work with them? And if not, how, you know, how do you think we might be able to collaborate? And, and there you can say, you know, from our end, um, you know, any content that you publish about us, we'd love to be able to source. So, you know, there, I, I do, you can do it without a contract where, you know, on your Instagram profile saying, hey, if you use this hashtag, that gives us permission to republish your content on our handle. But, you know, wouldn't you like to get that free promotion, which a lot of people would like. But, you know, I've seen, I believe it was Ritz Carlton who in their LinkedIn bio, you know, every every content that we republish abides by this contract, which you agree to if you use the hashtag, please see LinkedIn bio. And the link literally goes to a contract, right? Wow. Yeah, that's uh, might be a little much, but there is something to be said for having some sort of an agreement in place uh, 
And, um, you know, in, in exchange for, you know, whenever you share content, we recognize that. And it, it means, you know, we, we hope to have a longer term relationship. And, you know, I, I don't know that it's a little bit loose at the beginning because it depends on a lot of things and how you want to structure it. But that's where I would really begin. I think if you do a search like on, we're talking Instagram specific here, but if you do a search on Instagram, I think you'll find a lot of accounts where, hey, and the other thing you can do is if people begin using that hashtag, you could reach out to them and say, hey, do you give us permission to you know republish this? So instead of you creating the content, you're sending a DM asking for permission once. And if you end up using the same people a lot, that's where you may want to have a contract in place. But so I think that's really the easiest way to get started. Yeah, no, we, I suppose we should say that you could go the, the whole way for a fully written by the legal department contract, or you could have, you know, a Google Doc where you just confirm what you're going to do for them and what they're going to do for you. Because I always think avoiding assumptions is a great thing to do. And that, especially when it comes to, to this kind of relationship, avoiding assumptions, even with something as simple as a Word Doc or a Google Doc can be, can be priceless. Yeah, I, you know, and that example was sort of like a one-off content. But if you wanted to put something together where you're starting to send them free product on a regular basis and you sort of expect them on a regular basis to be, you know, publishing that on Instagram, that you definitely want to have something written in place as you recommend it. You know, we're going to be sending you free product, you know, once every 90 days. We expect that you would post, you know, two Instagram posts and four Instagram stories or, you know, whatever it is. I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as directing them as to what those photos and videos are about, you know, so long as they mention or show the product, but definitely having something in place, you're absolutely right. You want to sort of manage expectations up front because you're investing something, you're putting some skin in the game and you expect them to as well. And this is where you get down to the, the what's in it for me and the win-win and people who really want your product. I mean, the idea is you're really trying to convert everybody into becoming a brand advocate, right? So that they begin talking about you even outside of the contract. The contract only says, you know, two posts and now they've published 10 times. And if they really like you, they will because they're human. And that's sort of how all this works. And I think that's really the end game. That's why I say when you invest in people, you have that, you know, potential for that long-term ROI that you don't get in that single ad campaign that just goes on and off. Indeed. And um, I have to I have to ask you, because we, we vaguely mentioned kind of social media horror stories earlier, but are there any kind of tips in the world of influencer marketing other than you know, giving tens of thousands of dollars to one person, um, that that our audience should avoid. That you often see people, you know, falling into the trap of when they first get started. Yeah, so there's a few different traps that we have. The first one is just working with the wrong people, and I think that people make this mistake is when they reach out beyond people that know, like, and trust their brand. When you don't know who they are, they don't know who you are. And there's a famous one of a female bodybuilder who uh, I think she's from Australia. And there is a, uh, a line of bikini wear that hired her to do a photo shoot and post, uh, you know, showing her wearing the bikini as a female bodybuilder, not knowing that 90 plus percent of the audience was male. So that, that's just uh, you know, completely irrelevant. Um, and, and that's why, you know, that alignment of, of picking the right person is one of the most critically important things you can do. Because if you throw money at people, They'll take it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, whether it's good for your brand or not, and there's no, there's no police officer in between, or there's nobody managing that. It's it really is sort of the wild west of of supply and demand. So you really need to be careful um, upfront. And there's also the potential of working with people that seem to have a lot of followers, but they're not real followers. And there's a lot of tools out there that will help you see 
how real, how fake their followers are. One that I really like is a tool called Hype Auditor, uh, H-Y-P-E-A-U-D-I-T-O-R.com. It is paid, but if you plan on working with a lot of people outside of your sphere of, of influence, it, it's really great. Like, you know, today I had someone reach out to me. They wanted to be interviewed on my podcast as an influencer. But when I look at the graph of their followers on Instagram, it is literally you know, from 20,000 to 50,000 over the course of six months, literally a straight line, right? And anybody knows you just don't grow followers in a straight line on a platform and not at that scale, right? Unless you're a politician or musician, what have you. So, so immediately, but without looking at that, huh? She has a lot of followers, seems to get a lot of engagement. The, the creatives look good. You just don't know. Right. So that, that's uh, another thing is avoiding the fake followers. So that's, that's the finding the influence. The next one is how you collaborate, right? There's a lot of brands that say, we want you to talk about our product in this way. You know, you must include mentions of five hashtags and three user handles. <laughs> and it just, it gets absurd. And others, you know, please cut and paste this. And there have been influencers who literally cut and paste that included the please cut and paste this sort of <laughs> text in the post. So the whole idea of working with content creators is that you value their their creativity, right? And their ability to create content that resonates with their community. So let them do that. Don't, you know, overburden them. If there's a hashtag, if there's, you know, a product name, if if you want to get one username tag, that's totally understandable. But above and beyond that, I think you want to be a little, you know, you want to you want to be a little um, laissez-faire. Now, you can say, hey, before you publish, would it be okay if we had a chance to preview the post? I think that's totally cool, totally legit. It's just saying, hey, we just want to make sure that it's you know, it's in alignment with, with our branding guidelines, what have you. So for those that are really uh, scared about the, uh, about the prospects, you can definitely ask for that. Um, and then there's going to be no surprises. I think the other thing is when you reach out to people, First of all, not all of them are going to commit to doing it. And even those that commit to doing it don't end up doing it. So it's almost like, you know, I mentioned that, you know, for a, a part of influencer marketing, the outreach, it's like PR. There's another part of it that's like, I go back to my B2B sales background. If you think there's 100 influencers you want to work with, only 50 are probably going to respond to you. And maybe only 10 are going to be interested in working with you. So to get a lot of people to convert, you need to, you know, number one, start by contacting a lot of people. And then number two, you need to do a lot of follow-up because it, even if they say they're going to do it and you send them free product, if you don't follow up, there's going to be a lot of people and people get busy, right? It's not their full-time job. You can't expect them to put first priority on it, even if they have an agreement with you. So things happen in life like coronavirus, right? Like yeah. Black Lives Matter. So uh, because of that, we have to understand that, but we also have to follow up to make sure that, hey, we had an agreement in place. Just let us know when you think it'll be, knowing that there might be delays. And then the last part is, you know, I love that the name of this podcast is Keep Optimizing because the name of my company is called PDCA Social. And PDCA is this whole method of optimizing around the concept of plan, do, check, action, right? So in influencer marketing, you can be doing optimizing because it's sort of the 80-20 rule. 20% of your influencers are probably going to generate 80% of the results. So what I recommend and what a lot of companies are starting to do is to create like an annual contract. So we're going to send you free product over the course of a year or whatever it is. And at the end of the year, we're going to see how you perform. And we'll each decide what we want out of the relationship. And maybe we move forward and maybe we don't, right? Mm -hmm. So you always want to be bringing new people in. And you always want to be doing more with those 20% that outperform. And that's how you optimize this for continually better results. Those that don't perform well for whatever reason, 
then you may not want to work with them that second year, or you may want to demote them so they don't feel bad to, you know, just a, a very, very uh, uh, vague status or whatever it is. Um, but definitely there are different tiers of influencers that as you start working with them, you're going to recognize some are just better for pure content creation, hire them to create content, right? Some are going to be better at really generating response from their community, do more with those. So that's the other part that I think a lot of brands miss out on. But I think it's really important if you want to really optimize the time and energy and money that you're and product that you're investing in the program. Oh, thank you, Neil. Such, such good advice and tips there. Well, look, everyone, we're going to pause for a mind of our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about the wider world of social media. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more. Way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. And it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Neil, so far we've gone deep into influencer marketing. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of social media. So for the following questions, your answers can be anything to do with social media, which of course does include influencer marketing. Neil, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, let's start with social media newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with social media, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Well, considering that we were talking about influencer marketing, it begins with content creation, right? Of actually having content to publish. Without having content to publish, you're not going to be able to build a following. You're not going to be able to build engagement. And that content, really, you take a step back, it starts with really your digital marketing strategy. What are you trying to achieve? Um, you know, what content do you already have? What are, depending on your social network, what are the keywords, right? What are the visuals? So I'd say before even starting, to really have that content strategy, have that marketing strategy uh, planned and really lead with that content and always trying to leverage tagging other people and hashtags where permitted to bring other people into the conversation and to make your content discoverable and you'll have the best chance of success in doing that. Excellent. Okay. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve social media performance? So I think that at some point when you do begin a social profile as a business, there's probably a chance that you are going to be, uh, you know, doing advertisements to increase your followers. And I think it's totally okay to do that as a one-time thing to get up to a certain level. Uh, after a certain amount of time, hopefully your customers come into the fray, you do influence the marketing, you're organically growing. But what happens over time, and I've seen it on any given social network, is that the followers might stop engaging with you. Right. And the followers might stop engaging with you because they're no longer interested. Maybe they no longer use the social network. So I think as part of optimizing your engagement, you know, optimizing your content is a whole other story where you can analyze and figure out what's working and what's not and tweak that. But optimizing the engagement means literally going in and there's various tools you can use of trying to find followers that are just inactive on the network or just never engaged with you. And I would start, you know, we call that process pruning. But I'd consider spending a little bit of time pruning out 
the irrelevance because the algorithm is going to try to serve your content to everybody. And if you have irrelevant followers, inactive followers, followers that don't engage, it really brings down the engagement of everything you do. Cool advice. Okay. It's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance, but the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming. So what for you is the number one social media KPI? Wow. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to how many people from social media are coming to your website and hopefully converting. The whole idea, whether it is you know any given social network or any content that you publish that you hope gets indexed by Google, is that people come to your website where you have your shopping cart, right? So are people coming or not is really the key thing. From there, obviously, how far down do they go in the conversion funnel? But if we're doing a lot of activity on three different social networks, and two are generating a lot of traffic, and one is generating crickets, then we probably don't want to spend any more time on that one and spend more time on those two networks that generate value. Okay, finally, the crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months we should be getting ready for in social media? Well, I think we're already seeing, obviously, TikTok and Instagram Reels and uh, the implications that that has. It, it becomes, you know, visual social media has made it very, very hard for e-commerce companies to compete unless you're able to take that sort of photography that content creators take. I think when it comes to, you know, including a musical element into your content, uh, obviously makes it even more challenging. So, you know, it is sort of new and on the horizon. I don't think everybody needs to stop what they're doing and all of a sudden create, you know, musically 15 second videos either. So there are some trends that uh, are, you're going to hear about in the blogosphere, what have you, but they're not always necessarily relevant for us. Now, if you're an e-commerce shop for teenagers, then you might want to take more notice. But if you're not targeting the teenage demographic, as of today, this might change. You don't need to go head over heels over this. We've seen the same thing with Snapchat, maybe two, three years ago, and then Instagram launched stories, and it all sort of fizzed away, and now it's very mainstream, isn't it? And it's also changed. At the beginning, Instagram stories were, were, were really stories. It was you know a sequence of events over the course of five or 10 different uh, images or videos. That's not how we use them today. So I do believe that Reels is gonna be, it's gonna be similar. Um, and once again, it's the teenage demographic versus the general demographic. So always remember that and just keep your sanity as <laughs> anyone and everyone contacts you saying, we'll do two t TikTok for you for uh, you know a nice amount of money. Yeah, I love that. Keep your sanity. Well, look, Neil, we're nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you, your business, your book on the web and social media, please? Sure. Well, my name is Neil Schaefer. We're um, neilschaefer.com, Neil Schaefer on social media. It's the real Neil, N-E-A-L. Uh, and there's a lot of us Schaefers out there in sales and marketing. So it's S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. Uh, I also have a podcast called the Maximize Your Social Influence Podcast, if you want to delve deeper uh, into this concept of digital influence. And the name of my book, which is available uh, wherever fine books are sold, as we like to say, is called The Age of Influence. Excellent. Nicely put together there. Um, so Neil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about such a practical angle of, um, of influencer marketing. I really do hope we've inspired several of the listeners to really get stuck in as we, uh, as we, as we head towards Christmas in 2021. So, um, so thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Chloe. I'm going to say this publicly for the first time, but I just want to remind people that influencers aren't fake. Only your perception of them is fake. Nice. Nice. I like that. <laughs>
Well, thank you, Chloe. It's been awesome. And I really hope that everybody listening gets value. I know that it was a lot of information, um, but I truly want to provide that content to, to really help you keep optimizing your marketing. So hopefully it helped. So there we have it, your influencer marketing latest and greatest tactics. How exactly to go about leveraging those content creators and their communities to get your message out and also, you know, to improve the quality of your marketing generally. You can get Neil's book, which goes into a lot of what we talked about in a lot more detail. It's a great read. Lots of good good, uh, good tips in there. You can get, get it. It's called The Age of Influence. It's available via Amazon as Kindle audiobook, paperback and audio CD. Um, audio CD, not a format I've tried with my books. Maybe that's what I need to get into, some audio CDs. Um, now, if you want my books in audio CD, do let me know. <laughs> now, um, so you can get Neil's book on Amazon in all those different formats. You can also get the links to everything we discussed today, including those tools he mentioned, uh, the full transcript of this episode, important notes, and much more at keepoptimizing.com. Remember, that's with an S, not a Z. And as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all of our social media specialists from this month's episodes to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. That's where you get your chance to get your questions about social media answered. Go and get yourself registered right now for the webinar. Um, or you can, of course, watch the replay at keepoptimizing.com. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. Uh, last month, we got a group of e commerce experts to share their Black Friday, Cyber Monday tips. So if you're looking for a few last minute ideas to make this year's event really work for you, then make sure you have a listen to episode 14. Please also tell your fellow marketers about the show because I want to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. And I often find that social media is one in particular. We end up spending a lot of time achieving very little. So please do pass on that that's what we're covering this month. Have a great week, all of you, and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimising at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.